Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one website for expert investment analysis. Buy, Hold, Sell is a weekly show where two fund managers share their views on a selection of listed companies in their area of expertise. Buyers and sellers are what make the market, and you'll find that our guests don't always agree on the stocks being covered. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be the first to receive new episodes each week. If there are stocks you'd like our guests to discuss, let us know by leaving a comment in the review segment. Remember, the views expressed in this show are not recommendations to invest. You should seek appropriate investment advice before making any investment decisions. And of course, please read the disclaimer in the show's notes. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. My name's James Marley and we are nearly over the line on 2021. It's been a tough year, there's been highs, there's been lows, and who better to talk about highs and lows than James Gerrish from Market Matters and June Bailu from Tribeca. Great to have you both with us today. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Now, readers, get your pens out. Before we get into the show today, I've got a little quiz for you, and no cheating, no Googling on the questions here. Get out your pens, write down your answers. What was the best performing ASX 200 stock in 2021, year to date? What about the worst performing stock? Have you got that one? Best sector, worst sector. I want you to write down your answers and I'll tell you at the end of this video, no Googling. James, if you had to describe markets in 2021 with just one word, what would it be and why? I think I'd use the word rotation. I think it's been a year where we've seen you know, huge uh, changes around the thematics that investors have, have backed, sectors that investors have backed and stocks. And you know, all of those things have come in and out of fashion in pretty aggressive um, periods over the, the last year. So rotation would be my one word for 2021, Jimmy. Okay, great. Hold that thought. June Bay, what's the word that you'd use to describe markets in 2021? I would still call us successful um, and post a very successful 2020 as well. Um, you know, we had um, the inflation fear, we had, uh, you know, uh, the, um, you know, many virus variants. We now we have the Omicron and we've got, well, we traded through, oh, we got the trade war, we got the, um, you know, geopolitical risk. We had all these issues and yet we continue to push all time high. And that's been uh, incredible resilience in the market. So, yeah, successful. So, June Bay, positive surprise this year. Well, it turned out okay. What was the most unexpected thing that happened in 2021? <laughs> I think, as I talked about before, most unexpected is how resilient the market has been. Um, you know, with all these, you know, given the pandemic, it's been the health crisis. We never really fully resolved the health crisis yet. And we keep coming up with different variations of the virus. And yet the market keep pushing higher and higher. And it's incredibly resilient. And this is at the time where we, you know, have all these fears about inflation and things. And the corporate earnings recovery um, hasn't been exactly smooth. So so, um, you know, just how resilient the market has been. And it does give you a lot of confidence in terms of where it heads over the next 12 months. Okay, James, what about you? What was the unexpected thing that happened in 2021? June Bay just stole my thunder in terms of resilience. So I completely agree that the market has been incredibly resilient over the last um, 12 months or so. I think the other thing that's really been interesting this year has been the rise of crypto and the... Um, 
the, uh, the validity or the acceptance that crypto has generated over the past 12 months. I'm not saying it's the right thing, um, but that sort of, you know, the, the number of people out there who are now involved in the crypto space has really caught me um, a little bit by surprise about the speed of that. So the resilience of markets and the rise of that thing called crypto. Actually, that's a really interesting, right? Even Commonwealth Bank's caught on to it. They're allowing, you know, providing services like custodian stuff for the cryptocurrency space. And you, you think about how they, you know, what um, validates something mm -hmm. is, is its acceptance. So, you know, I think that's really increased, aside from what Warren Buffett has to say about crypto and the, the comments that he makes about it. Um, you know, that's that acceptance that's really built over the last 12 months or so. And it feels like it's still gaining momentum. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's going to be more to come. I don't know what crypto is going to um, be successful. It's really hard to, to tell. But I think the, yeah, the premise behind it has, um, yeah, has uh, foundation. Mm, yeah, interesting. So, James, this is, this is the one that hurts and we, we all have them. What was, what, was, what was the worst performing position you had this year? What went wrong? And, and, and what's the future for that position? Is it on the chopping block or are you going to try and resuscitate it? <laughs> Where it's on life support at the moment, so we're still we're still holding on to it. Um, our, our worst position for the year was Service Stream SSM. Um, they had a number of things that hurt them throughout the, the past year. Uh, firstly, it was around um, the MBN and the 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 um, yeah, the weakness in um, the MBN space. Um, they also had some big labour issues. So obviously, COVID has been difficult to get people out on site, uh, and that really hurt uh, Service Stream. Overall, that had a negative impact on margins and they saw a, multiple downgrades as a result of that. Ultimately, they then raised capital to buy uh, Lend-Lease service business, which I think will prove to be a, a positive acquisition. There's just some pain to wear in the, the me medium term. So uh, we've kept a small position. Yep. Uh, we'll upweight it once we see signs of a turnaround. So I think the position was down 50% this year. So not a great one in a rising market, James. Yeah, tough one to hold. June Bay, same question for you. What was the one that kept you up all night? The one that gave you the sweats? The one that you didn't want to look at when you turned the screens on in the morning? <laughs> look, um, this one is, uh, I wouldn't say it kept me up at night. Uh, if anything, I think it will. It just provides a good buying opportunity and it's more of a long-term position for us. Um, so the stock is Ramsey. Mm -hmm. Look, um, share price has done nothing <laughs> since, uh, since the recovery of the pandemic, pretty much. Um, it, obviously private hospitals and you know it's meant to play that reopening theme or when the earnings recovery um, you know people finally there's a long waiting list people coming back to the hospital yeah. and things but of course we know uh, we had many lockdowns and shutdowns that's affected its 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 recovery um, and uh, and then its offshore operations in UK and in France um, continue to be impacted by or France especially continue to be impacted by you know high rates of um, uh, infection over there um, and uh, and the business is in good you know good balance sheet and things um, it's just a recovery slow and now it's been hit with something else which is um, you know lack of availability of nursing staff so the staff cost is going higher and then um, it's hospital beds um, yet to return to full capacity but it will um, you know simply because on the back of you know reopening um, the queue of uh, private hospitals enormous um, and uh, only will, will come back it's just taking uh, much longer um, than we initially expected you know we all thought the recovery COVID recovery will be straight line and uh, clearly real in real life there's many variations take time to come back uh, but it's a good business you know we happy to sit there a bit of a bottom bottom draw sort of um, stock
Well, let's, let's get out of the hospital, out of the operating theatre. Let's go from flatline to, to heading north. What was, what's been the stellar stock in your portfolio? What did the heavy lifting? Oh my goodness, there are so many. Um, <laughs> just quietly. Just quietly. Um, but let's talk to this one. So this one, um, you know, we actually have held for a very long time. That's Pinnacle. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just incredible management team, um, incredible diverse um, sort of uh, group of portfolio of assets or fund managers. Um, and one thing we learn about fund managers is that they all have different styles. Um, some, you know, grow some value and some have a bit of mix and some, you know, doing different things, quant or fundamental. Some Sometimes certain microcondition will work for others and others doesn't. So, um, you know, uh, and for Pinnacle, because they've got a group diversified portfolio, um, they actually, um, you know, as a group, they actually contributed very strongly. Um, and because Pinnacle's got a, such a strong distribution team and they actually have grown those managers significantly under their umbrella. And now they, um, they actually bolt on quite a lot of new managers in recent times and the farm is growing uh, enormously. So this company has done incredibly well and we think will continue to do very, very well going so you're, you're hanging on to your position absolutely, in Pinnacle? Absolutely. Okay, James, um, out of the many stocks that went up in your portfolio <laughs> in 2021, which one would you like there to do? There were so do? many, which there were so the many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think yeah, the, the one that springs to mind is Altium, which has been a, 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 um, a really strong success story in 21. I think it's been a volatile ride and, and just like June Bay's um, pick in Pinnacle, which is um, I completely agree with the, you know, the basis or the foundation for, for owning that um, position. Altium has been, had some ups and downs. They obviously had a takeover offer from Autodesk over in the US that they were pretty adamant in rejecting. And um, you know, they, they came out and had some issues around margins and resetting market expectations following that. Um, but they've done a really good job. They had confidence in their business. And it's really good to see a, a, an Australian company um, with such a, a key um, service product on the global stage um, that is um, being sought after. So, you know, for me, Altium has been a great success story this year. I think it'll continue to be. And that confidence that management showed in the face of, you know, high volatility and taking, you know, what seemed to be a really good offer at the time and rejecting it um, has, you know, provides confidence in, in my view of the stock anyway. Yeah, interesting. Good one. Alrighty, let's turn from looking in the, the rear view mirror, get the crystal balls, have a look at 2022. What are some of the tailwinds and headwinds, or pick a headwind and pick a tailwind that you think is going to, you know, move markets next year or, ha or have an impact, something for people to be aware of? Yeah, I think the two things are, are interrelated. So um, the things that I've you know, looked for over the last 12 months is the rate of change in money supply, which has been phenomenal um, through, you know, since the pandemic. So in 2020, the rate of change in money was about 25%. If you look back historically, um, you, know, you see about a 5% change in, in money supply. Coming out of the GFC, we saw a 10% increase in money supply. Coming out of the pandemic, it was, you know, it's, it's unprecedented at 25%. So that obviously underpins growth, which is uh, positive for corporate earnings. And we've seen that corporate earnings come through very strongly over the last 12 months. Um, but it also has other ramifications that I think we'll see coming down the track. So, you know, cheap money out there, huge amounts of liquidity. Um, at some point, that will create bubbles and it'll create, it will force central banks and um, regulators to, to come into the market and perhaps stifle things more than they would have otherwise. So, uh, the last time we were on with June Bay, we talked about inflation being transitory or, or not. Um, and I think that's going to be a really key risk for the markets going forward. I know we've spoken about it a lot um, and it's well known by the markets, but if we think of a risk going into the next 12 months, it's certainly that.
Okay. Do you want to? Um, I'm not going to hit you for a, for for a headwind or a tailwind stop, but maybe uh, a, a company that you think rides a tailwind next year. So, uh, if you think about headwinds and tailwinds, then if the headwind is around, you know, rising interest rates potentially at a higher rate than the market is expecting, then you you need to be conscious of these high valuation growth stocks. So, you know, I'd call out WiseTech, uh, which is a, a company that the market absolutely loves. Um, you know, it's trading on 23. Um, times revenue, it's growing sales at 20%, which is great. But if it has a hiccup in 22, it'll get slammed. If you think about the other side of the equation, um, you, know, you want to be holding stocks that are in value territory. So uh, Virgin Money might be one to put on the radar. It's trading on 0.4 of book. It's been, it's had a tough 12 months. Um, but you know, the strategy around digitisation of that business, I think, has foundation. And there's not a lot baked into the cake. So. I think expectations going into 22 is going to be really important. What's built into stock prices already? All right. We'll finish with you there, June Bay. Tailwind and a headwind for 2022. I think it's kind of similar to what James was saying that um, in terms of tailwind, that um, our corporate earnings still strong, um, and uh, you know partly because we sort of had a, a few hiccups in terms of reopening, um, and we had the lockdown and things, and now coming out of it, uh, we should have a good, pretty good Christmas. Um, consumer looking very strong. They saved a lot of money. Savings rate really, really high. I think last 12 months they saved something like 10% of the GDP. Normally they save two, three percent. So it's a lot of money sitting on the balance sheet for the consumer, for the household and the corporates are sitting on very, very good balance sheets. Um, that's why we started seeing a lot of uh, mergers and acquisitions and buyback and things taking place. Um, so all of that means, um, you know, economy, it's pretty healthy at this point. Um, and if the new virus variant doesn't create any significant issue, um, you know, that trajectory should look pretty good for corporate earnings. So, um, so that is a, going to be a tailwind for, you know, all of us around the world. Um, we should see that continue to pick up momentum. Um, China potentially stimulated a little bit. So, you know, all of that looks pretty good. Now the headwind, of course, um, all that easy liquidity James was talking about earlier, um, it, it's going to get harder. So, um, you know, we have so much money throwing it at um, all the economies because of the pandemic. Um, these are emergency level of liquidity. It's not going to be here. Well, at least at we are next year we're heading into the beginning of the tightening so you know it's it's just it's it's nothing to be alarmed about but it just means the emergency level of um, easy liquidity cheap money uh, it's it's not necessary because you know look at the interest rate was so much higher um, before the pandemic hit and our economy was okay uh, was actually on the way to recovery and then the pandemic hit we have to lower it but now it's sort of you know still significantly below so in a way we ha we will be on the path to tighten so so that means it will just make it a little bit harder. Just means some of those, um, you know, super expensive companies might be under a bit more pressure, um, especially if they don't make profit and just be under a bit more pressure on that basis. So with that positive corporate earnings, but maybe tightening of the that the easy money that's been around, is there a company that w wants to thrive in that? You know, has you got a name that does well in that environment? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm a little bit less macro when I start running my portfolio because I always believe that um, in, in the next decade, yes, the interest rate will go high a little bit. It's not going to go as high as everyone says at the moment. It's going to be over the long run lower than what everyone expects because, um, you know, we will, you know, the productivity is going to be tough and all of that. So on that basis, we're gonna, it's going to be harder and harder to get growth. Um, in corporate earning. So the structural growth leaders or growth companies, they will still be highly sought after. But we do have a, uh, we don't have a growth issue in the market, we have a valuation issue. So for the super ultra, you know, spicy stock <laughs> that doesn't make money and trade on very high multiple, uh, 
they will be under a lot of pressure. So, but in this environment, you know, other growth companies, they might get sold off temporarily and I'll be happy to step in to buy things like Seek, things like REA. You know, they are expensive, but they're so much cheaper than some of the really high-end growth companies. But on the value end, you know, when we talk to the cheaper cyclical company, you gotta be mindful as well because um, they may be very cheap, but a lot of time they're cheap for a reason, right? And you know, the minute there is any hiccup in terms of um, growth um, or outlook um, uh, sort of issue, um, these companies will get sold off very quickly. Um, but some of the businesses will be leveraged towards a global recovery. Um, <laughs> actually, normally I don't push mining stocks, but certainly recently a company like BHP mm. has been sold off massively. And yet their peer, the smaller miner, the specialized miner like copper and other things ha have done so much better. Um, just because you know investors are now sort of funding the big ones into some of the more hot area. And that could well reverse next year because these companies are going to generate so much cash flow um, it's going to be incredible okay great well that's the highs and the lows from James and June Bay now get your marking pens out get your red pens out I'm going to give the answers to our little quiz best performing stock in the ASX 200 was Pilbara PLS up 170% superb outcome the worst performer was Polynovo down 65% the best sector, this one stumped us all, was the telcos, up 31% with Telstra doing the heavy lifting and the energy sector was down 4% and that was the laggard in the ASX. Now, if you get four out of four, give yourself a pat on the back, hit subscribe because we've got heaps more great content coming to you over the summer. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis. Register for free at livewiremarkets.com to discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.